It's been among the wettest summers we've ever had here in Alabama. But here we are talking about gardening for dry places. I'm not sure I get it. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of October 3rd, 2013. Today, we are going to be sharing with you um, an interview that we were privileged to have with um, Hayes Jackson. He is an Urban Regional Extension Agent with the Alabama Cooperative Extension System. He's based in Anniston. Um, He's become quite an expert on gardening in dry places. And as a matter of fact, he has just finished presenting a Lunch and Learn, um, a workshop on that topic. And I may say that I don't get it, but I actually do. We both understand that we are looking at hotter drier conditions on average in the future. So this is important stuff. Very timely. Thanks for being with us, Hayes. I guess my first question here, coming off an extremely wet summer here in Alabama, is why are we talking about dry places now? Well, is it just me? Or the last two weeks, I haven't gotten a drop of rain in of course, that's typical. I always expect dry weather in September and October, and 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 it's just become over the past decade or so. I've really experienced some of the driest summers. I've been gardening for thirty something years, and the past ten years, I've done more watering and irrigating, and had more problems with drought than I than I ever had before. Uh, of course, I, I keep a running total of, of, I've been keeping a running total of the rain in, in, in my backyard this year, and we're right at 64, almost 64 inches on the nose. And uh, it's been great. Uh, and I even had a, a, a rain barrel workshop planned for September, and I've postponed that because a lot of people tend, forget, tend to forget about it. You know, drought tolerance uh, in plants and in the garden once we're, we're you know, been inundated with rain, and, and we've certainly been fortunate this year. But it can change at the drop of a hat, and, and I know I'm, I'm getting very dry right now, so I'm looking forward to another, another rain event. Well, we are having the same experience you are. During the last couple of weeks, we've not had much rain to speak of. Maybe a couple of tenths of an inch here or there, but nothing to write home about. And as a matter of fact, I was just noticing out in our orchard the other day that there is a green line following all my drip tape where the grass is still vibrant around the drip tape, but is beginning to go brown everywhere else. Right, and, and I, I, there's a, a cemetery that I pass to work every day, and uh, and that's how I can judge, too. That it, it, the whole cemetery is centipede lawn, and I've noticed uh, that in the past week it looks it's starting to look kind of crispy. Yeah. Well, do you think it's going to be drier in the future? I mean, I'm, we're, I know we're only asking you to project here, but what are your um, informed opinions about that? Uh, just, just from what the information that's been available, may, you know, and, I, and I'm, I, that's, I don't think, you know, people always ask me what kind of winter we're going to have, and I'm like, get back in touch with me in March. 
<laughs> yeah. You never really know. But the trends seem to be that we are getting drier weather, more extreme weather. Uh, just, I mean, any gardener that's been gardening a long time is, is seeing, you know, that, I mean, all of a sudden we're getting extreme amounts of rain and flooding. And you look at, you know, in Colorado, a thousand year flood and, uh, and, and we're getting these intense droughts and it just seems to be, you know, uh, just extreme on both ends. And, and, um, so, I, you know, I, I, there's one thing I hate to do is water. I feel like I'm wasting my time. I could be weeding. I could be doing pruning. So many other things. So it's nice to have either you know a regular rainfall, or I'm starting to use more plants that don't require me to water as much. Well, that's probably a great direction for our conversation to go in when it comes to some of the techniques that we can use to deal with dry conditions. Um, you mentioned uh, figuring out what plants to use, and I assume with that, figuring out what not to use. Uh, what have we learned about that? Well, and, and, and the, uh, one of the biggest things I've seen, so many people do containers, and they do pots on their, you know, on their decks or dr their driveways. These plants just bake in the sun, and I, and I kept hearing people were having to water them, not once, but sometimes twice twice a day just to keep them alive and and I've always believed in right plant right place that there is a plant instead of trying to fight against nature and make something live in a place that it's having to struggle is there is some plant out there that's going to be suitable for that that situation whether it's a narrow you know and I, you see this so many times in like parking lot island beds and commercial landscapes they'll put trees out there that are not suitable for those hot hot conditions but yet there's trees that naturally occur and grow in little pockets of soil and and rock outcrops and I, the first one comes to mind is uh fringe tree or grancy graybeard and i see those growing in rock outcrops here in you know in, in alabama and they just they're they're at home in those kind of you know situations so it's utilizing the plants that prefer and tolerate those situations instead of trying to fight nature. So give us some other suggestions about what we should be using more of. Well, and we're, we're seeing big trends now in green roofs and, and things with succulents and sedums and things that do not have to be watered regularly, you know, as compared to impatience and, and uh, begonias and, and, and putting those in, you know, in, in big containers and and not having to water them at all and and I've I've learned over the past few years I've used some really nice dramatic plantings of agaves uh, and if you don't like the poke or the prick or of, of some of the cactus and succulents there's the the sedums and there's nolinas and the the hesperalos which are absolutely fantastic these are called the red yuccas and they're but they're not a yucca at all they're a soft tip yucca. And they they have a wonderful bloom that lasts for months. The hummingbirds absolutely love. So I think the Hesperalis, and I, you know where I look? I look to places that have hotter, drier climates. And I've been out to the Texas Hill Country uh, the past uh, couple of years on a, on some trips, uh, um, botanical trips, and uh, with work on on some meetings and things. And and there is there are so many great plants 
out there that we should be utilizing in our landscapes. And then they can take these, they can take the, 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 the rains that, you know, Texas gets on occasion, but gosh, they can get hot and dry as well. So there's, there's a lot of really good, like Texas mountain laurel and uh, Turk's cap, uh, which is a hibiscus relative. There's a lot of great plants that, that come from that area. We got our own version of that a couple of weeks ago when we were visiting with Gabe Brown. Uh, Gabe is a rancher in Minnesota who is an award winner for his uh, work to rejuvenate his soil. Mm-hmm. And he talked about their rainfall, which averages about 15 inches per year. And as you know, in Alabama, we get triple that or more. So um, it, it was humbling to hear him describe all the wonderful things he's able to do with 15 inches of rain makes me want to quit whining about our not getting enough rain. Right. And I I speak with my friends back in Texas, and I've got a friend that gardens in Arizona, and, you know, they're all proud of their quarter-inch rain, and I'm like, that's a heavy dew in Alabama. You know, we're fortunate, uh, you know, to have the amount of water that we do have, you know, that, that we get, the rainfall, but... But we also plan on it, and sometimes that can be worse, you know, uh, when you're really expecting to get the rainfall and you're not equipped. You know, the lawns, a lot of the, you know, of course, I'm not a big lawn person. I've, I have a six-acre garden, and I can cut my uh, grass in, in 12 minutes, and I use a hand-push mower. So, and I've, I've even eliminated more grass because I, 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 I'd rather deal with, uh, you know, not having to keep the grass watered. And, and a lot of, you know, I guess a lot of people spend a lot of time and energy trying to keep their grass green. And I think That's, we do overdo a lot of grass. I would tend to agree with that. Now, um, what about when it's <clears throat> your target crops are finished and you're planting cover crops? Are there certain species of cover crops that are more drought tolerant than others? You know, um, that's kind of, you know, I, honestly, I haven't had a whole lot of experience planting like you're talking about for garden areas exactly um, yes um you know I, I i had a garden for a little while but i i actually my my garden i had a vegetable garden but my my landscape garden i i'm in an old growth forest so i have a lot of shade and i love my trees so i i, I quit trying to grow a lot of vegetables and I trade my plants for my gardening friends' vegetables. <laughs> so I don't have a whole lot of experience growing cover crops and things. But, but I do know that it's given me the experience that, you know, people think when you have a shade garden, because you have shade, you're, it, it's not as dry. But gosh, these trees, I've got 110-foot trees on my property, and they can really suck up the moisture. And that sounds lovely. <laughs> it, 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 it is. It's nice and shady. But you pay for that, you know, even though you're shady, you're still losing a lot of that soil moisture. And that's really how I got into doing a lot of drought-tolerant plants, especially for shade. And most people don't realize, you know, that uh, when a lot of people think of xeriscaping, which is drought-tolerant gardening, they think of sun space. But uh, there's so many people that uh, have, you know, forested, that live in forested areas or have lots of trees in their in their landscape area, and they're having to use, you know, uh, plants that are using plants that, that are drought tolerant. Most people think of a Cuba and Mahonia, but there's so many other choices. And, and that's what I, what I like to educate people about, too, or my experiences with dry shade gardening. 
I'm glad you said that because I'm actually planning to landscape an area where we live that has um, exactly, as you mentioned, lots of trees. And I'd like to, you know, plant some understory um, plantings. But, uh, yeah, they don't need to be shade. They need to be drought tolerant because I can't afford to get out there and drip all of that. Right. And, and you know, we have so many excellent native plants like maple leaf viburnum uh, that are naturally occurring in our forest areas that blooms in the spring, has berries that attract the birds, and it gives a nice fall color, and that's one of my favorite plants. And it, it's native on my property, and I, I love to preserve that, and, and I share a lot of that with my gardening friends, and, and it's just not as familiar, you know, uh, among the nurseries, you know, you can go and ask for it, and it's, sometimes it's hard to find, but it's a great native plant and so durable when it comes to drought. Can I give you a true confession, Hayes? You're, you've confessed to us that you don't work that much with food crops. Mm-hmm. We don't work that much with ornamentals. Uh, Amanda does more than I, but even she is uh, not. We're, we're both neophytes when it comes to the ornamental gardening that you're describing. So I want to make sure we include the names of all of these plants you've thrown out so people who are interested in using them will be able to know how to spell them and how to ask for them. So I'm going to try to transcribe these plant names from the recording and include those on our show notes page, but I may need a little help from you because I'm so ignorant about all of this. Oh, sure. And, you know, and I'm, I'm horrible about sometimes I rattle off botanical names and it's just by nature I, I, I do that and sometimes say it so quickly but I'll, I'll be glad to and, and, and get with you on that we'll, we'll make sure everyone has a list a scientific name and a common name because I, I do know sometimes you know when you hear red yucca most people think of yucca and they're thinking spiny but but knowing it's hesperalo it's a very so that to me that's one plant that is so underutilized Okay. And I'd like to take advantage of that. Well, let me ask you this. Along these lines, is there a database of uh, plants that you would recommend um, or a site that people like us who are just novices and trying to find out what works well in drought-tolerant or are drought-tolerant plants, where we could go? You know, honestly, I haven't seen some really good region-specific, you know, you know for, let's say for, you know, Alabama or central Alabama, uh, a you know I, I see some lists, but they really are limited. And 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 just like you know, just discovering that all these plants that from the Texas Hill Country that you know, if you ever go to Austin and and see some of the plants growing around Austin, and, and a lot of those have done so well in my garden. I've I've, I've been growing them for 20 years or more, and uh, it's that information you just don't see it out there. And and a lot of this I've just kind of taking it over the years and just from my experience of, you know, I'll, I'll try anything to, you know, in my garden that I, that I see. And, and I, it's, I'm, I'm a very experimental gardener, I guess. So, uh, but a lot of these lists are just, you know, you, you'll see things like, you know, um, Cuba and Mahonia and, and Liriope and, and things of that, that nature, but you don't see, you know, some people want something a little different or, um, you, you want to get some color, and I know a lot of dry shade plants are more foliage plants, so I'm always looking for things that bloom in the shade, and like there, there's an iris called a roof iris, iris tectorum, 
and it's done great for me. It comes, it blooms in white or kind of a, a, a bluish purple, and it, it, it's done quite well in the shade and very tough. Well, we appreciate your assembling all this information, then, especially knowing that there's not just a a site at the ready to, to find out about all this information. I'm going to ask you to finish with a tough assignment, uh, Hayes. I'm going to ask you to name the top four or five blunders that you've seen us gardeners make when we're dealing with dry conditions or drought events. Oh, let's see. I, I, I think people tend to water incorrectly. They, they tend to water every day and sprinkle just a little bit. I water uh, during droughts, and I water thoroughly. You want to water deeply, and then you don't have to go back and water for many, many days. Um, proper mulching will help preserve that soil moisture and amending and, and getting a better soil. And, you know, when I plant azaleas, I plant them basically in, in an aged compost pile, and I find I don't have to water them near as much. So if, if, um, getting the right soil and amending that soil uh, is, is, is going to be so much uh, of an advantage to a gardener. And then I guess the other thing uh, is really choosing the right plant and, 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 and not only just you know, a, a plant that, that can take the, the either the shade and the drought or the sun and the drought is you know and, and knowing that plant's going to work in the location that you're placing it and and I always I look at again at these containers where people put uh, you know ferns and impatiens and 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 you're having to drag a hose out there twice a day and of course once they send, tend to droop and it, sometimes it's hard to get them to recover and 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 look you know look healthy and 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 I, I try to utilize the plants that actually enjoy those conditions and so you're, you've got a nice successful container garden and in choosing those right plants well that was an unfair assignment i gave you but you did a great job with it i'm impressed uh those are those sound like good ideas for all of us to apply and and, and i think to native plants there's so many wonderful native plant choices and 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 really talking to other gardeners and and finding out you know, from their experiences, and, and I know gardeners like to share plants, so a lot of these things that are not available in the nursery industry or, you know, in a lot of your local nurseries, uh, a lot of gardeners are willing to share, and, uh, you know, I think of something like Alabama snow wreath, which is a fantastic, tough, durable, you know, it's like a spirea, it spreads, so that if you've got an area that you need a tough plant that blooms late winter, no disease, you know, just, just tough as nails. Alabama snow wreath. That's Excellent. great advice. I'm going to remember that one because, as I said, I have a lot of planting to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hayes Jackson is a regional extension agent with the Alabama Cooperative Extension System based in Anniston, and you have been awfully kind to spend time with us today, Hayes. Well, thank you. I certainly enjoyed it. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. 
Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.